0: Section 24 of the Jolly Parisienne and Other Novelets. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Indu Nair. Margot's Gallant by Emile Zola. Translated by george d cox chapter four more jollification Cockville did not awake on the following day until the sun was well above the horizon it was warmer even than before and the sea lay dozing under a cloudless sky in fact it was just the sort of day when most pleasure is to be found in being absolutely idle. Until lunchtime, Cockville rested after the treat of the evening before. Then everyone went down to the beach to keep a lookout, and that Wednesday, fishing, Madame defoe and Monsieur mouchel were all forgotten. La queue and Rouget did not even speak of going to pull up their baskets about three o'clock some casks were sighted four were dancing on the waves opposite the village both the zephyr and the baleine gave chase but there was no dispute as there was enough for all and each boat had its share after sailing over every inch of the little gulf Cugy and Laqueux came back at six o'clock, with three barrels each, and again the festival began. The women had brought out some tables to be more comfortable. Then seats were brought, and two open-air cafes, such as there are at Combourg, were at once established. The Mahés were on the left, and the floches on the right. And between them there was a heap of sand that evening the Emperor went from one group to the other with full glasses in his hands that everyone might taste the contents of all six barrels by nine o'clock the scene was a much more gay and festive one than that of the evening before and the next day try as it would coqueville could not remember how it managed to get to bed on the thursday the Zephyr and the belaine only took two barrels each but those were huge ones on friday the catch was superb and quite beyond everyone's hopes seven barrels were brought to land three by rouget four by la Cure. then came golden hours for Cockville no one did any work the fishermen lay in bed till noon sleeping off their potations of the night before and then sauntered down to the beach and gazed at the sea their only anxiety was as to the kind of liquor the tide was going to bring them and they stood on the sand for hours giving shouts of delight as soon as any wreckage appeared the women and the children stood on top of the rocks and pointed out everything floating on the water even to the smallest bundle of seaweed and the zephyr and the baleine were kept in readiness to go out to sea at any moment they set off and tacked about the gulf fishing for casks as they might have done for tunny quite despising the mackerel which leaped in the sunlight and the soles which floated lazily along at the top of the water coqueville watched the fishers from the shore and burst its sides with laughing then in the evening the cat was drunk what delighted Cockville most was that the supply of casks did not cease the wrecked vessel must have had a large cargo and Cockville, now selfish and gay, joked about the lost ship which folks said was a regular wine cellar containing enough liquor to intoxicate all the fish in the sea. They never caught two barrels alike. The casks were of all shapes, sizes and colors, and each contained a different liquid the emperor fell into profound reveries he who had drunk everything could no longer give an opinion and la queue himself declared he had never seen such a cargo the abbe Radiguet believed it had been destined for some savage king who had wished to stock his cellar but the rest of coqueville no longer even tried to find out what they were drinking the elder ladies preferred the liquors flavoured with mocha peppermint and vanilla and marie rouget drank so much aniseed one evening that it made her perfectly ill margot and the other young ladies devoted themselves to curacao benedictine trappistine and chartreuse while the cassis was given to the children The men were naturally most pleased when the catch included cognac, rum, or gin. A barrel of raki from Chio stupefied Coqueville, who thought it had got hold of a cask of turpentine. All the same, it was drunk, because it is not right to waste anything, but it was talked about for a long time. Batavian arrack, Swedish Brandy romanian suica caligaresca servian slivovitz also upset all coquevillian ideas about what was fit to drink but there was a general leaning towards kummel and kiesh liquors clear as water and strong enough to kill a man how could so many good things have been invented at coqueville brandy had been the only drink known and all the inhabitants were not even acquainted with that a veritable worship for this inexhaustible variety of intoxicants began to spring up oh to get drunk every evening on something different and of which even the name was unknown it seemed like a fairy tale in which there is a magic fountain spouting forth strange alcoholic liquids perfumed and flavoured with all the flowers and fruits in creation as has been said there were seven barrels on the sands on friday evening coqueville now simply lived on the beach which thanks to the mildness of the weather it could do with comfort never had there been so fine a week in september the feast had lasted since monday and there was no reason why it should not last forever. If only providence, for in this affair the abbe radiguet discerned the finger of providence, would continue to send them casks. All work was suspended, and every one for the time being was a gentleman, and a gentleman who drank expensive liquors without having to pay for them. Coqueville put its hands in its pockets and basked in the sun while it waited for the evening carols, besides it was never sober one after another it tried the joys of cummel kiesh and ratafia and in the course of a week it had experienced the angers of gin, the soft-heartedness of curacao and the laughter of brandy for cockville in the innocent way of a new-born child thankfully drank whatever heaven sent it it was on the friday that the mahes and the floches fraternized every one was merry that evening and even on the night before the distance between the two groups had been lessened for the most intoxicated had trodden down the heap of sand and now there was only about a foot of it between the two parties the Floshes were emptying their four casks, while the Mahes were making an end of three little barrels of liquors, the colors of which were the same as those of the French flag, red, white, and blue. The Floshes were filled with envy and jealousy whenever they saw the blue, for a blue liquor seemed to them something really wonderful. And at last Laqueur, who had turned quite good-natured now, that he was never sober came forward, glass in hand, thinking that it was his place as mayor to make the first advance. "I say, Rouget," he stuttered, "will you drink with me?" "Certainly," replied Rouget, whose emotion made him reel. They fell on each other's necks, and every one wept. The scene was so touching. Then the Mahes and the Floshes, who had been ready to cut each other up for the last three hundred years, kissed and shook each other by the hand. And the Abbe Radigue, who was very much affected, again spoke of the Finger of Providence. Then they all toasted one another in the red, white, and blue liquors, and the Emperor cried, Here's to France! the blue was not up to much and the white was hardly any better but the red met with great approval the floches barrels were next attacked and then a dance was got up as there was no music some of the young fellows whistled and clapped their hands to keep time and the girls danced with spirit the spree was really assuming magnificent proportions the seven casks were placed side by side and every one took what he liked best those who had had enough lay down on the sand and slept for a little while and when they woke up began to drink again the number of dancers increased and the ball was continued until midnight the waves broke on the beach with a faint noise the stars were shining in a deep blue sky. It was like the peacefulness of a newly created world around a tribe of savages intoxicated by their first draught of brandy. However, when there was nothing left to drink, Cockville at last went indoors, Floshes and Mahes helping one another to the best of their ability, and ending by somehow finding their beds. On the Saturday, the spree was kept up till nearly two o'clock in the morning. Six casks, two of which were huge ones, had been caught that day, and during the evening, Fua's and Chupin almost came to blows. Chupin, who was very bad-tempered when he was drunk, talked of making an end of his brother. But this quarrel shocked everybody, Floshes as well as Mahes was there any sense in still disagreeing when all the village had made it up and forgotten old scores the two brothers were forced to drink together and as they still looked sulky the emperor determined to keep his eye on them the rougets did not get on very well together either when marie had drunk some aniseed liquor she lavished endearments on brismotte which rouget was unable to witness unmoved besides drink made him tender and affectionate and he wanted to be loved and caressed himself it was in vain that the abbe radigue exhorted them to be forgiving bah said la queue you'll see they'll make it up if there's a good catch to-morrow your health still la queue himself was not perfect He had not ceased to watch Delphin, and as soon as he saw him near Margot, he gave him a kick. This made the Emperor very indignant, for it was not reasonable to prevent two young people laughing together. But Lacquer still swore that he would kill Margot rather than give her to the boy. Besides, Margot herself did not want him. You don't, do you? you are too proud ever to marry a beggar aren't you he cried yes papa answered margot on saturday margot drank a great deal of some syrupy liquor and as she had no idea of its strength she soon found herself sitting on the ground beside the cask she sat there laughing to herself for she felt as if she were in paradise she could see stars around her and it seemed as if dance music were being played inside her head while she was like this delphin slipped into the shadow of the barrow and taking her hand asked tell me margot will you she still smiled finally she answered it's papa who won't hear of it oh that doesn't matter said the lad old people you know are always against it but if you are willing and getting bolder he dropped a kiss on her neck she drew up her head but a little shiver ran all down her back have done you tickle me she exclaimed but she no longer said anything about boxing his ears in the first place because she would not have been able to do so her hands fell so lazy and secondly because she liked to have her neck kissed it made her feel deliciously drowsy like the liquors. and after a time she began moving her head and holding out her chin like a cat who wants to be caressed there just under the ear she murmured oh that's lovely they both forgot la queue but fortunately the emperor was on the watch look there your reverence he said pointing out the couple to the abbe rediguet it would be better to marry them it certainly would answered the priest he undertook to speak to la on the subject the following day in the meantime la had drunk so much that the emperor and the priest had to carry him home On the way they tried to talk to him, but they could get nothing from him but a grunt. Behind them walked Delphin with Margot on his arm. By four o'clock the next day, the Zephyr and the Baleen had hooked up seven barrels. By six o'clock, the Zephyr had found two more, which made nine altogether, and Coqueville had a merry Sunday. It was the seventh day running that it had been drunk, and the spree was perfect, such a spree as had never been seen before, and would never be seen again. Just mention it in Lower Normandy, and people will answer you with a laugh. Ah yes, we know all about the spree at Cockville. End of section 24